Hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk episode 567 recorded today on Wednesday the 13th of February. Uh, those of you who've perhaps forgotten, don't forget, uh, bunches of flowers, chocolates and uh, steak dinners are in store for tomorrow. Um, and uh, in fact, I got a, I got a text because it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. I got, I got a text from my local fishing lake that said, it's Valentine's tomorrow. Why not buy something from the fisherman in your life? And I just, I thought about forwarding it to my partner, but I thought, nah, that's not going to go down well. Uh, anyway, um, welcome. This is a podcast to do with uh, music technology. Uh, we are on every Wednesday at 4pm uh, UK time. We stream live. We're streaming live to YouTube. We stream live to uh, Facebook. And we're also streaming live to Twitch. And uh, thank you, Dominic. I've actually now enabled raiding on the Twitch channel, which I think means people can hijack it and stream it via their own channel which presumably means potentially we could have more viewers over twitch which is great i mean i just do it because it doesn't cost anything and it's just another de destination but we'll see how that goes you also might have noticed i'm using a different mic this week uh this isn't because it's a sponsorship deal or anything but uh, uh road have released the released the pod mic uh which i'm using it arrived literally five minutes ago so i might not quite have got the eq it's a bit brighter than the than the previous mic previous mic uh which i'm still using is the uh procaster which uh is more like an re20 but this has a bit more presence to it i think by the sound of it it sounds a bit more hi-fi almost condenser like in a in a kind of strange way anyway that's really beside the point uh, i want to say thank you very much to isotope who will be providing a prize a little bit later on that is uh, rx7 the fantastic audio restoration program if you're interested in what isotope does actually i recorded a brilliant interview with mark ethier who's the ceo and founder of isotope uh which in the meet the maker series uh which was recorded at nam and um, if you didn't see the one that went out yesterday i think it was yesterday it's also we've got the teenage engineering uh meet the makers and i would like to point out there was a big round of people on the on the balcony in the teenage engineering uh interview and there was a, a, a lady who was part of the team and she didn't get to speak and it wasn't because we were ignoring her it's because she said i don't want to speak <laughs> so i just want to get that out there and because people get a bit sensitive about that sort of thing quite rightly so i must say anyway enough of that rambling let's say hello to a few people Mr. Dave Spears, GeForce Software in his synth B cave. Uh, no, home cave, which is the A cave. The B cave is more populous, but less. Well, this this one's the original, right? Yes. How are you? Yes. I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. A bit fatigued. So if I'm a bit dazed today, you'll have to forgive me. Really? How's that possible? You haven't been to Nan or anything. You haven't got jet lag. What's your excuse? Uh, working on things. Ah, okay. That's fair enough. Things. And it's always that last, you know, 10% takes 90% of the work, so. Oh, God, yeah, we know about that. So is yes. this the time when I, I ask you uh, whether or not you're going to give us a <laughs> an ETA? <laughs> no, you've learned no. the hard way, haven't you? Yeah. Yes, yes. By God, I learned the hard way. What was that? That was something like two years after we announced it, it got released. It might have even been longer. So, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Otherwise, no, well, fair enough. Everybody is allowed to beat me around the head with a telephone directory until I pass out. Telephone directories, actually, in the UK, uh, they stopped doing yellow pages. You don't get them anymore. Last tele telephone directory delivery went out uh, this spring. That's a fun fact for you people. Uh, so you'd have to actually probably get a telephone directory on eBay or find one in the garage if you did want to hit Dave over the head with it. Oh, no, they've got one already. Oh, right, it's one ready. The, the special <laughs> G-Force. Uh, yes, well, uh, I guess so. Um, 
I, I was just trying to think there was something else that came up as a result of that, which I've completely... Oh, yeah, Mark Ethier, um, mm -hmm. he was talking about... Uh, he mentioned the podcast because we were talking about Iris. Iris on sale somewhere at the moment. Someone said it was Iris 2 was going for 29 bucks. if Whoa. you can find that anywhere. I don't know where that is because I was looking for it, but uh, he said that the, it was born out of a discussion on Sonic Talk, which I'd forgotten about, but yes, he remembered. So, yeah. Right, Dave, thank you for joining us. And also we have Mr. Dominic Hawken, who is there hello, hello. in his studio, home studio. Um, where Are you still working on the, um, the relaxation application? Yes, yes. Snuggle Sounds, the relaxation app, is now betering with a few people. At last, at last, at last. So we're just recording a final few bits to go on there. Um, it's all testing, and then it'll be off with the Android version, I think. But, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to test, if anyone's got young kids, especially it's for kids and adults, um, hit me up on the Twitter. So if you've got a good test case of, like, two-year-old twins who don't sleep, that's exactly the kind of person I'm looking for. Try out the app under the... You're looking, for, are you looking for some testimonials, that sort of thing. Well, testers, really, just to make sure it works to start with, and testimonials, if you do fall asleep, that's even better. Dominic changed my life. I know that sort of thing. Well, the, I mean, I'll write that down. Yeah, Nick seriously, seriously. Podcast. <laughs> I've got it now. These things really do. These things really do make a difference. I mean, because I, I, you know, there may be a lot of people out there who are listening uh, who don't have kids or haven't had kids yet, or maybe aren't going or whatever for whatever reason, and don't know quite how consuming, all-consuming, having a kid that doesn't go to sleep is because it eats into your adult time, and after you know, I don't know what, seven or eight years of this, you start to get a bit fatigued by, the, by it all, right? <laughs> yeah, this is true. My, I've got a six-year-old daughter, and when she was about two or three, she had real problems sleeping. And then all of your friends at school and nursery and all that kind of stuff go through the same thing. And I, I just, I might have said it before, I just found when you look around for stuff to make your kid fall asleep, you find eight-hour-long YouTube tinkly bell noises that just go on literally for eight hours with 20 million views. And it's awful. It sounds terrible. Last thing you want to hear if you're a two-year-old child is tinkly bells all night. Aliased, um, yeah. It, well, yeah, horror, just really, really horrible. If you imagine when you're inside the womb, not that we can, it doesn't sound tinkly. It sounds all muffled and you can't hear a thing. So you want that kind of warming, you know, warmth really rather than tinkle. So anyway, I've, so that's where it started. Right, carry on. Wow. I have, a, I have a story about that because my friend Jason, uh, who's a drummer in The Cure, he, uh, he, had a he said he had a fail-safe way to keep his child. And you swallow them up. <clears throat> and you hold them in front of you. This, I mean, I'm not suggesting you try this. And you go, <sighs> because apparently that emulates the sound of blood yeah. in when you're inside, you know, when you're in the womb and it, it, it kind yeah. of makes them feel, I don't know, you, you probably, that's assuming you don't get spotted and arrested for some sort of, you know, abusive <laughs> behaviour. But apparently that's that's something that could work as well. It's not far off. If, if you imagine the um, ultrasound recordings, although it's ultrasound converted to audio frequencies they're not far off that they're going whoosh, 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 noises and just testing stuff out here everything from white noise through to sort of pulsing noise washing machines steam engines crazy kinds of stuff so this is what the app's all about loads of different stuff and then you can alter the sounds as well you can change treble and brightness and echo and reverb so it's kind of trying to meld it somewhere actually you're, you're, you're actually you're talking cool. so you're you're appealing to dads who really want to get tweaky with that yeah oh, exactly wow. genius that. genius exactly that exactly that <laughs> anyway <laughs> enough of my app <laughs> that's all right well i'm glad to have you dominic it's a it's a pleasure as ever um and uh oh actually I, that reminds me I've, I've i've not i haven't prepared myself properly i've been in um coding hell oh not coding hell i'm quite enjoying it and i just just haven't quite 
I haven't remembered to prepare properly for this uh, for this by opening all the windows that I want. Um, I, I suppose the first thing really was because Dominic, you weren't there for Nam. Obviously, Nam coverage is over. I think I've got one more video to go up, and I think it's uh, it's an avid video of a, a person talking about what they've got coming. Uh, and that's it. And then that will take our total to 106 videos that we shot there. Um, and I remember when uh, when I said, oh, um, do you want to be on last week? But the numbers didn't work out. You said, oh, yeah, we've been talking about X or Y. I've forgotten what it was you said you've been talking about. But uh, was there anything you wanted to add to, uh, you know, impressions or whatever? Just, I mean, I've mentioned it briefly just before the stream. Um, yeah, the, the, the things that stuck out for me were all mentioned, I think, last week. But the Omnisphere... Uh, video that you did I thought was outstanding just seeing some of the stuff that was going on on that booth and I know you said it was a bit more of a set piece where they shut the set down it was they shut the stand down a bit and you know gave you some decent mic audio and stuff but it really it was amazing actually seeing all that stuff and seeing those since there and I really like that little ultimate support stand that looked like, oh, a, the desktop like a fortress one, yeah. gate which is perfect for all these you can't really see me but you know the little octatrack style you know um baby synths, if you like, the desktop versions and stuff, which looked really, really good. Um, and just in general, I just thought, I thought it was a pretty positive NAM, really. It was lovely to see some of the smaller kind of modular stuff going on out there. It's a really expensive trip to be done. The Akai Force looked exciting. Um, I've got a couple of friends have actually already got one, so I'm waiting on their reports, but it's all really, really good so far. Um, yeah, just in general. I missed uh, the Deluge guys. I really like the Deluge. I've been playing around with that. Um, but no, really good. And and the stuff, just the general focus on new instruments coming out, like even though Behringer weren't there, the stuff that they've come up with um, looked really cool. The Yamaha visit that you did looked really cool. Oh, yeah, great. that went that went incredibly yeah. well. I mean, honestly, I because, I, I, you know, the, the thing about those is when people say, oh, why don't you come after Nam? And my mm. heart always drops a little bit because by then I've, so, I've sort of let go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. off. It's like I've yeah. left the building. I switch off. Everything kind of slumps into this state of exhaustion and then the and then going back on camera i generally sort of think i feel really conscious about it particularly if i'm in front of the camera because i look a mess you know and i'm absolutely <laughs> exhausted and i'm unshaven <laughs> and baggy eyed and you know pale and all of it's, those things but actually it, it worked stuff, really well it worked really it's well it's weird how that stuff um works my my business partner from the last company that we had always used to make a point of going out on Christmas Eve for drinks with everyone or the last minute, the, the one that you'd cancel because it was too close for Christmas and without fail, he'd get a contract or a new job or a new client or something just because it was over and everything was finished and everyone would be in quite a buoyant mood. And it certainly came across on that one. Um, just funny that they didn't have a DX1. And it's, it's obviously just outside of his budget, I think. <laughs> oh, actually, no. Uh, somebody contacted me. Uh, no, there's, there's, a, there's a link in the, there's a comment in the YouTube comments of that saying, oh, I, right. may I may have a DX1. Uh, available for them. Brilliant. How do I get in touch? I must, because I'm talking to Nate tomorrow, so I should probably check that out. Yeah, Nate looks like my uh, my taller brother. That was that was the thing. We were both we were both very much of the same uniform. The kind of informal T-shirt, the glasses, the lack of hair, the sort yeah. of unshaven look. Although his his is more groomed than mine. Uh, <laughs> I just want to go back. This is the um, MDS series you were talking about. These yes. things. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. And they just look. Um, you can, I don't know if anyone's probably they've already seen them, but you can resize them, can't you? I think left to right. Well, you can resize of... the grips in right. in them, yeah. So there's there's the, the, the uh, I don't, you probably can't see god, that looks terrible. I don't know, there's something weird about the way that the web browser comes back into this system, it just looks mm. really like 8 bit or something. Anyway. It's okay, actually. I'm looking on the YouTube stream, it looks fine. Oh, uh, okay, um, maybe it is all right then. 
but yeah, it's it just looked cool because I've got a table actually where this this monitor is sitting with a couple of li- the little mini Roland units and a, and a, an Octatrack and a, and a Deluge and they are just they're just on the table and it's great, but you end up with no space and sort of reaching over things, and something like that just looked really really good to just you know a couple of decks of those and you're, yeah they weren't expensive they're like fifty nine bucks or something you know yeah. not like massively yeah. expensive they could have been so much more um, but they're not exactly. so that's cool. Um, and the ultimate and, stuff is always such good good quality as well. I've got the keyboard and, stand series. And their amazing. mic stands were really genius. They've got a new range of mics because no, I don't know about you, Dave, you know, the, the mic stand that you always end up in the club that sort of gradually falls over, uh, and twists, you know, you've lost the insert. I mean, all of that stuff. But they're, they're new, I can't remember the make of them, but they're brilliant. They've all got, they've, they've got square thing so you can rotate it on angle so you can have 90 degrees 45 you know so and then another way of twisting it and just loads all the clutch parts are replaceable so as soon as it wears out you can order some new bits just all brilliant stuff what keyboard stands do you favor sir i imagine you need some fairly substantial action for stuff like the cs's and the uh the heavy polys right the cs is a bit of a nightmare uh i've tried it on an x stand but it's like whoa don't don't hit those keys too hard and it does tend to shudder around. Oh, we got loads. I mean, everything. I've got a few ultimate support stands from when we used to go out live, uh, which were what? a bit of a bugger to drag around the stage, you know, those kind of triangular things. Oh, the Apex things. Yeah. Yeah, they were good. I mean, I like the fact that you could kind of take those arms off and slot them in the top, and that was good for a kind of truck pack. Uh, but yeah, we got loads and loads of different ones. I'm looking around now. They've got some Quick new ones of those. That, uh, yeah, the Apex ones. They've got a new a new range out. I seem to remember the Apex, for, uh, which I can't remember what it was. But they've got with all sorts of different adapters and different angled arms and all sorts of things. So I think it could be uh, yeah, could be kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, they were they were a bit of a pain in the ass if you had to move stage sides. So it was like, do we do it oh, with the keyboard yeah. Tom? Because you pick it up and the, the, the feet fall off the bottom, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, don't do that. Oh, no, I can't hold it up any longer. Crew. Yeah, new local crew guys. It's like, right, to move these, you have to drag them really carefully. But, yeah, other than that, uh, yeah. No, I could do with one, actually, for the CS. I'd like an original stand, but uh, uh, we use that uh, Jasper's stuff over at the studio, which is good really robust enough to, that'll take the cs on the bottom and the eight voice on the top so that's wow pretty, i'm just looking for that this is all jasper's oh i've heard of them jasper's keyboard stands yeah i mean we fit the whole studio out with them ah right those things they're the multi they're the proper 1980s keyboard racks aren't they yeah a-frames yeah, oh yeah these ones we've got a load of the a-frames but the one the other ones we've got a more uh oblong Okay. And you can slot, you know, keyboard um, rack mounts into the bottom and stuff. So oh, these ones. Mixes. That yeah, that job. Ones. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that looks good. That looks like. Uh, oh yeah. Anyway, I guess you know it's all relevant, isn't it? It's all tech relevant. I just wanted to give everybody the opportunity. And I don't know. If, I mean, I know you said you didn't have anything to say about Nam. I don't know whether anything that came out you thought, oh, I must check that out sometime. Was there anything, or were you pretty much avoiding <laughs> the whole Not thing? Really bad. But, well, I didn't deliberately avoid it, but I've just been kind of up to my eyes in about a hundred projects, and uh, I just didn't get around to it. I saw one video that actually I'm ashamed to say I don't think was yours, which was just a mate of mine who's Mister Q Up Arts, and he was jamming around on the keyboard, and he's a great player, and he had a couple of great players on there, so I kind of watched that, and uh, while I was beavering away, 
trying to write manuals and things. Oh uh, man, that's and dealing yeah. with Bandcamp. I did my album. I finally yeah, your album's album. out. Yeah, that's kind of weird. So uh, I expect you've seen a big sales spike there because it definitely the first few days. Yeah, that's when you make your money. Yeah, I mean, I've only I only kind of put something about it on my um, Facebook page, uh, and yeah, sold. I don't know six. <laughs> I was going to say 600. No, no, no. I mean, there's, there's a few gone and feedback's been great. So hey. yeah, good. Uh, but it's a case of like, it's fine. I finally did it. I finally got Yeah. It. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You can just, that's the that's thing the I like about thing. Bandcamp. You can just do it. I mean, you can almost just do it. Go, Oh, I finished the track. You know what? I'm going to release it right now. <laughs> and actually, and then, I found that really refreshing because, you know, there, there'd been a couple of kind of labels sniffing around and, you know, because obviously it's taken me a long, long time to kind of put it together. And during that process, there have been various interesting things. And then you kind of start pursuing it and it and things get complicated. And, and I'm only prepared to divert so much time to that side of things. And then in the end, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to bung it on Bandcamp. Let's just do it and see what happens. Anyway, I like the infrastructure. It's the first time I've done something like that, and I like the infrastructure. In fact, while I've been talking, I've got a band camp kuching. Right, that's good. We like the sound of that. Uh, That's good. Well, uh, congratulations. We'll stick a link to it in the show notes so you could sell a few more. Um, um, Stantastic Stan's got a a shout-out, actually, as well, um, which looks... They look kind of interesting as well. They're less less kind of business to them and then they're more cantilevered that looks kind of cool they're expensive crikey so they must be good 279 for that one the three tier dollars i mean that's quite expensive but you've got that kind of like clickable angles which looks looks kind of interesting yeah that's um, what we need for the wall you know because we've got that kind of slap wall thing now on one of our walls all right so now it kind of looks like a keyboard shop in fact, we were going to call it the wall of shite and just put all the crappy keyboards <laughs> down there. But when we got some quick lock arms, they've only kind of got three positions. And now I'm kind of going, ah, oh, we need the full Oh, it's on. never in the quite the right angle. And the worst thing I find is what actually happens is they, for some, on mine, they're just like that. They don't actually match up when you sort of you slot them in and they're, oh. they're just slightly out of alignment and you end up with a wonky keyboard. That's a blooming nightmare. Oh, I've got, that'll set yeah. me OCD off. Yeah, it's just it's very irritating. Uh, anyway, I suppose we could do a bit of uh, topicry. I mean, there isn't, uh, as I said, there isn't a massive amount of topicry because most people sort of shoot their loads at NAM, and then if they don't, they're waiting for Superbooth. So uh, here we go. Um, but I did spot this one, uh, production Pro Tools expert. This is a production expert. I'm not sure if it's the same thing. Yeah, produ- yes. Anyway, this was uh, five trends we think, uh, five industry predictions we see for 2009 from the production expert team. Uh, so, uh, first one, artificial intelligence will impact the studio even more, which I think is probably uh, a reasonable a reasonable thought. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, that's one thing I talked about uh, with Isotope, you know, and he was saying that machine learning and AI is something that is going to be uh, it's going to be coming on stream more and more and more. And he, he was saying also, even when he was a lad, you know, when he just left, finished his degree, one of his degree topics was in machine learning and they predicted it was around the corner and that was 20 years ago. So so actually, you know, it's just coming. But he was saying it's going to be more like, and we've talked about this before, the idea it's going to be more like having an assistant engineer who kind of understands, so it learns your working methods and kind of suggests is it, is this what you want to do right now? So you don't have to spend a lot of time. And this is going to happen more and more with things like, you know, digital recall, uh, remote control of stuff, whatnot. I don't know whether um, whether either of you have got an opinion on on that on that particular uh, 
concept of trend uh, trend setting. I mean, I guess, Dave, with you, it's sort of a bit tricky because everything is analogue, so it's not so easy to do that. But some things are nice to be able to to just sort yeah, of... Yeah, uh, certainly a kind of learning of workflow would be really, really handy. I mean, obviously, you know, when I'm doing Tron tapes, for example, you know, I'm kind of getting into the broadband areas and kind of reducing gains and tweaking stuff in there. Obviously, I use RX and stuff. Uh, RX is utterly invaluable for that. Um, but it would be really nice, you know, silly little things like if you kind of knock it, notching out a couple of frequencies, that's fine within a certain group of keys, but then you need that to kind of change as you go up or down the keyboard scale or, you know, up and down the notes. So things like that, if it could kind of analyze my workflow, but I do find, I mean, things like with, is it neuron What's the, what's the isotope, um, neutron, neutron, neutron. Thank you. You know, I've kind of used that a couple of times on mixes, but I don't know. Maybe it's the kind of OCD thing again, but I always go in and go, mm, mm. I don't know. Maybe there's just a kind of inherent kind of need to muck about with things. To oh, take ownership. Uh, I did yeah, that. I, guess so. I did that. I didn't use the Microsoft paperclip this time. Yeah, I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah, there's definitely an element of that. I mean, sometimes it's sometimes it's surprised me and gone, wow, actually, that sounds amazing, although I'll still tweak it. And other yeah. times I've gone, nah, no, I'll just start from a kind of basic uh, default patch and then uh, start introducing what I know. But this idea of taking my artificial intelligence and coming yeah, up. Yeah, that, that, that makes a certain amount of sense. I know, Dominic, I don't know what you, because, I mean, you, you've been doing this... Uh, uh, you know, creating music and assets for your uh, your pro- your application. So presumably, mm. there are lots of repetitive workflow things in there, and lots of things that you. Yeah. To, I mean, do you template things up as you go? Just so you go, I'm going to have to do that again. You know. Yeah, and actually, I quite like repetitive, repetitive tasks like that. I don't know why. Um, my ex work colleague, very very good friend, is is very high up in the Google. Is it Deep Thought? I can't remember. The uh, the Deep Thought might have been something else, but it's their AI department and. Uh, tells me of some of the stuff that they're working on not really but he does let me know as much as he can do uh under his kind of restrictive clauses and it it is quite amazing what's what's going on there it's interesting when applied to music like that though because in general machine learning is about lots and lots of repetitive things being fed into a machine and it working out at the other end what the best way of doing it so classic example would be alexa uh, I won't say that name again if everyone's just gone off. But um, <laughs> no, now you need then, to say something. <laughs> Alexa, order two hundred packets yeah. of toilet roll, please. <laughs> order my app. Um, <laughs> uh, that's classic because they're, they're taking vo- everyone's voices, everyone's words, and um, they're getting a massive, you know, cross selection of, of working data. Same with with Google and translations and that kind of stuff. So in general, let's just say if you wanted to do machine learning on writing, if you take millions of books. And then it reads every single word. And it, the first word of the book is hello. It looks at all the words and says, well, what other words usually come after hello? Well, I found another one where it's I am. And I found another one saying what's the word like or whatever. And it just builds up a tri- big, long, big lists of the most common word that comes after hello is this. And then what comes is this. And once it's worked all of that out, it'll actually spout out some pretty good natural language, realistic sounding stuff. You see it on Reddit. There's some bots on Reddit that do it with their content. With, with music, you don't have that massive source of data. So you can feed in every single pop tune on Spotify and come out with the default best 
pop tune settings with this kind of EQ and this amount of compression and this amount of headroom and all the rest of it, um, which is sort of along the lines of where Ozone before the AI was. I've had Ozone since Ozone 3, and it's amazingly impressive. Anything I stick into it always sounds better because, in general, the stuff I have is not as good as Dave's, and it just always just sounds more rounded and proper. And it will do very simple things like make sure the bass isn't overextended and bring the top out. And that's really looking at an EQ curve and a compression and a width setting and applying it. And that's not really machine learning. It's very clever. So I, I think it's going to have to go some to really put it out. So, for example, if I could buy a plugin that allowed me to mix like Spike Drent or something like, you know, so that says, right, I'm going to buy that Spike plugin and it's analysed all of the Spike settings on every tune he's ever made and you could sort of, you know, adjust some sliders as to what kind of era and what kind of music, then that's a classic machine learning kind of tool the trouble is there's not enough data in the first place well and also the thing is is you can't really apply that the mix isn't the two bus the mix is what all the ingredients went to and the decision i mean i've worked with spike and i know you know he's really hands-on with with the way that he'll kind of say oh can we just tweak that that can you can you maybe try that an octave you know so he he makes Mm. macro adjustments to the source material before it gets to be mixed so this creation of space and and if you're just kind of going this is it go you're not going to get the same results. I mean, it's no, just indeed. Not... So but suppose... that's not to say that uh, that it do... it's not a massive leap forward. I mean, I never thought we'd be able to talk com- to computers, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, it's probably got in my so good. You know, and I mean, so that's good. the huge... And the Google Translate app, if you've got Google Translate, there's a sort of hidden feature on that, which is a camera on it. You hold it up to a menu in Polish and it overlays english words so not only does it translate the words into polish into english it actually puts the graphics back over the picture in real time so that kind of stuff is just incredible it, it works really really well when you've got masses of data to go on and i suppose there is a lot of music you know there is a lot of music around but in general i think it's back to what dave was saying i think it'll get you a lot of the way there and certainly the ozone stuff that's out at the moment is incredible what it can do mm. but it's the spice on the top that you're you're, you're adding and tweaking that will really make it more unique. But definitely, if I if I record something now, bang it together in a mix and chuck it through ozone as it stands, it sounds a bazillion times better than if I didn't. Um, so right, it's already well, it's kind of me up. It's yeah. also frequency smear. I think is uh, in talking to some engineers, you know, frequency smear between different, uh, you know, guitars and keyboard stuff. I think that's where it's going to really come in, where it'll kind of go. Okay, actually, if we kind of separate that, move that here, move that there, I think that's where where we're going to start to see the first kind of real leaps. Well, that's the thing that. Uh... I mean, it's very isotope focused, which, funnily enough, is about we're about to play the isotope ad. So uh, I guess it. But th- that's the thing that uh, certainly um, uh, the, the the RX stuff can can talk to the other plugins to kind of like you know the track assistant, the mix assistant, and kind of go well if you if if I tell the bass track to to do this to it, then I'll have a bit more room in my mastering phase. And that's the thing that they're one of their special sources. That was again, I was talking to Mark Ether about that as well, and they've they've figured out that into into plugin communication extremely well. Um, right, well, I guess I, I let, uh, at which point we'll just have a word from Isotope themselves because uh, it's competition RX time, but they'll tell you about RX right now. ...and leader in audio repair for music and post-production. And with RX7, we've introduced groundbreaking new ways to quickly and easily fix and manipulate audio. Take the game-changing repair assistant. 
an intelligent helper that can detect noise, clipping, clicks, hum, and more. Also new in RX-7 is Music Rebalance, a powerful source separation tool. Drums too loud? Vocals not loud enough? Let's fix that. You can also create instrumental versions of songs by removing the vocal elements. You can now alter the pitch without affecting the timing of your audio, and conversely, alter the time without affecting the pitch with the new variable time and variable pitch modules. Using the new dialog contour, you can improve the performance of a line or even create a new performance by altering the pitch contour of the dialog, therefore adjusting the intonation of the speaker. And introducing Dialog Dereverb, a module powered by machine learning to reduce the presence of reverberations around dialog. RX-7, a new frontier in audio repair. Okay, we say thank you very much to Isotope for their uh, sponsorship of the show, providing the prize. Uh, if you want to check that out, obviously head over to isotope.com, download the RX-7 stuff. There's loads of tutorials there, and you can see exactly what it will do. Uh, we ran a competition last week, uh, and we have a winner. Uh, the winner is uh, Randall Alley, who is at ProgNC. Uh, Randall tweeted the correct hashtags and was picked by our supercomputer uh, random number generator as the winner. So uh, if you want to get in touch, Randall Alley at progs at prog NC, then uh, you will be uh, given a, a copy of RX7. That's about as straightforward as it goes. And if you want to win this week, we've also got uh, another competition, which is an ongoing thing. So this week we're looking for the hashtag mix assistant, which is actually very apt given the previous topics. The hashtag mix assistant, the hashtag RX7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's via Twitter. Uh, you just need to do a Twitter. There's uh, plenty of characters left. Do add some extra stuff in there because I know Isotope monitor it. It comes up on their social wall in the uh, cafe. And uh, we like to see what you've got to say as well. So remember, hashtag mix assistant, one word, the hashtag RX7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Um, I'm, I'm going to come back to the uh, production expert thing. Um, there was, uh, yeah, what the other things they said, oh, new, uh, maybe a new Mac Pro, not so interested in that one. The other thing was more smart speakers using DSP. I thought that was kind of interesting. Actually, I, if I actually put that up there, you'll be able to see it. More smart speakers using DSP. And this is something that I experienced because I know uh, the Rocket, um, the, uh, the KRK new Rockets, uh, they've got DSP in them at a very reasonable price point. Um, you need, and you've got EQ curves and whatnot. But then there's the uh, IK Multimedia iLoud MTMs, which are just little tiny speakers that you plug the actual room correction mic, and it's got ARC in it. But and these things are becoming more and more apparent. And I haven't tried any of these things because I've just got a pair of Genelecs here, which I just put on. Uh, pads, so I haven't got any room correction stuff. I don't know if either of you have uh, experienced any room correction or speakers with DSP in to kind of uh, get it uh, and what sort of difference it makes because I've not really kind of heard a bad room made sound good in that sort of yeah, example. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I looked into this a while ago when I moved to this place and this is a home studio but it is pro level if you like. I do pro stuff in here. Um, and the kit is pro level, but the room is just a big room. It's a cinema room with a, with a, a screen at one end. So it's soundproof and the walls are not straight. They're all angled and stuff, but it's no, by no means a room in a room or properly acoustically treated in any way, particularly apart from a bit of damping on the walls. Um, and I got this thing a while ago, let's see if you can see it, which is called a mini, mini, down, down, down a bit. There you go, DSP. a mini DSP. So weird because it goes in the opposite direction of where you think you're moving. Um, and this is a company. The, these ones were sold, or well, they're aimed at two things. They have a lower entry level thing, which are aimed at 
conference rooms and and stuff like that and a higher one which is sort of aimed more at kind of audio file bit of studio market um and this thing is basically the dsp bit in a box um they do a digital one and an analog one this is an analog one so you literally got balanced analog in balanced analog out um and you plug it basically between the output of what you want to listen to and the amp to the speakers and then you, uh, it comes with a, a microphone, which is a bit has a, a response curve on it, normally a decent, really decent microphone. And you then do this, the standard stuff, which is you'll sit in the listening point, you put the mic in where, you, where you're going to listen from, and you play a series of impulse tones through the speakers that cover all the frequencies. And it measures the frequency response of the speakers and tells you actually where you're listening. There's a big hump here, so it's very middly sounding, or there's no bottom end or whatever. And you move this mic around into various positions. It takes about an hour to do. Run this whole thing, and it gives you a response curve that says, well, if you boost and change everything um, and load this into this box, it will even everything out. And it also does things with phase of the two sides and everything. So it's, it's um, it's more than just an EQ machine. But this thing wasn't cheap. It was about eight, 800 quid, I think. But it was a revelation. It was an absolute revelation. And there's no, um, I completely with the guys who say, you know, fix your room first, get it all sorted, get your damping in. You know, if you've got spots around that are boomy or whatever, get that sorted. But if you're sitting in one position, which is basically where I am, sitting, looking the other way around, and you've got your head in that position 95% of the time, you can tune it so well with this. And it was a complete revelation. It turned out that um, I was listening with a very, very, warm kind of hump where I was sitting, which made everything sound warm and a bass extension that was too much. So every time I got my kick drum sounding great, you stick it in the car and it would be flapping, you know. Um, and no matter how much you got tuned to these speakers, and they're, they're nice speakers as well, they're powered Dynaudios, um, which again, aren't, aren't cheap, they're very flat, I love them, but um, I still couldn't get my head around why when I was putting stuff on, I couldn't make it sound as good as that. And it, honestly, it was, it was astonishing for a while. I was just going around saying this is the best 800 quid in the studio that I've spent, you know, bar none. It's completely changed the monitoring situation. Um, so that said, this was, what, two and a half years ago, and it just you, you plug it and forget it. If it's now being built into decent monitors, particularly active monitors, where it's tuning its own internal stuff. And I haven't looked closely at what's around, but that would be the absolute classic, is it's got powered monitors with that built in and a balanced mic to, to sort it out. It really does make a huge difference. Mm. And just, just so that, I don't know, some of the guys watching, if you're not aware of kind of flat monitoring, if you're listening to monitors and they're too toppy and too trebly, you'll mix everything with less treble. And so therefore, when you take it outside, it's all going to be pretty dull sounding. So the idea is to have at least a completely flat response, very boring response. So if you can make it exciting, it is. Or at least mix on speakers that you know what they're meant to sound like. So that you know if there's a, an oomph at the bottom end, then your kick drum can oomph at the bottom end. Or if it's brittle, then yeah. things are meant to sound brittle, you know. It's always been a bit of a black art, hasn't it? But this sort of thing, I mean, it, 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 it's the sort of thing that is the shortest route to the sort of good sound. I mean, I don't know. I, I know you, you, do you use Adams, Dave? I can't remember if you use. Yeah, and I've run into an issue actually, because I used, I had the big Adams here. And then obviously when we moved the bulk of the gear over to the studio, it seemed only fitting that they went over there. And so I replaced them with some smaller Adams here and... I noticed, in fact, when I was trying to sort out the album and actually doing patches and stuff, I'd kind of get something that I was like, yeah, yeah, sounds great here. And then I'd meet some musos over at the other cabin 
uh, well, Andy Shillito in particular, who's helping me engineer some stuff. And the cabin's quite, the synth studio is pretty brutal, uh, particularly in the high end. And it was like, whoa, hang on. Like, there's way more treble here than I heard at home, even in my position. So I've kind of moved the speakers around and mucked around with them. And I was so used to those old Adams that it was kind of second nature, really, mixing from them. I, I must have had them for like 10 years. Uh, and then thinking that these Adams would be the same uh, was a mistake. And so now I'm in this situation where it's like either or or both are going to have to be treated in some way so that there's some consistency. So I know that what I'm dealing with here, that I can take over there and it'll sound, there'll be some consistency. So, yeah, very interested in that little module, actually. Mm, interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about it for patch creation, but it makes sense, I suppose. I mean, normally you think about it for entire mixes or things where where it's critical. You just assume that the output of a synth will be okay because, I don't well, know, because it it's already it a synth. Really, yeah, but it was really, you know, effects and delays and stuff like that, particularly delays. When I was putting delays on, I was like, yeah, yeah, that sits nicely. It's not too intrusive here. And it's, you know, it's just giving a little bit more shimmer and depth to the to the patch. And then I take it over there and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, this is way too much. That all needs backing off. So, yeah, consistency. Is a yeah, good thing. No, it's good. And, and uh, yeah, so I suppose the, the, and I assume these things are going to get cheaper and cheaper. I mean, as we see, there's often a sort of little paradigm shift, isn't, shift, isn't there? It's, it's usually somebody makes uh, an embedded DSP that is ideally suited for those sort of thing that then get is being made in enough um, a large amounts that all these other manufacturers discover that they can put it into their class D amp that's in their actives monitor, and, and we all get it, and all they need is you know A, B, or C. So I, I'd imagine that's kind of is the same sort of vibe. Um, so yeah, that was kind of interesting. Um, what else was there? More smart speakers, speakers DSP, uh, more smart instruments. I, I'm not so interested in that so much, but I guess, you know, like Easy Drummer and the, the, the kind of garage band stuff and the, the drummers you get in Logic and whatnot. Object-based audio delivery formats. Not, I, I don't know exactly what that means, so maybe we'll just leave it there. But um, it, it was a good read, and there's, there's some good stuff there. I, I'm guessing it's sort of object-based delivery formats might mean that you have a central repository for your... So, source raw audio and then everything gets kind of referred yeah, there was as one, metadata there was one in there about audio placements the 3d audio and i think i'm not sure if it was in that section um there was 3d there was sound talk. bars oh yeah yeah it's in there object places i think where you know i want the kick drum or the screen to come out in the top left hand corner and I, what i don't think they touched on was vr um, which is the classic use for that. So, I mean, VR in terms of doing games and stuff with the headsets. So there's a PlayStation VR. Um, there's some expensive, it hasn't quite got there on on the big kind of PC-based gaming systems, but it's it was meant to be kind of this was going to be the year of VR. I think it may be a year or two away. But playing playing those games with proper spatial audio with sound spinning around your head is definitely the future. So they, I think they talk about Dolby Atmos, which is where you have speakers, ceiling, speakers in the ceiling. Um, so, so you get height as well, right. Yeah. You get a height. And they've also got, instead of fitting them in the ceiling, they've got these front side speakers, which have a, an angled horn on the top, which will bounce it off, you know. So, and I think the only things that are being broadcast in it are, are sport at the moment. It's a little bit like 3D glasses that everyone's still got in their cupboard from the telly that they bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't but, work. How did that work out? Not so no, well. I mean, exactly. But in, in a headset, 
you know, playing Grand Theft Auto or something with everything spinning around is definitely the future. So uh, a method of actually kind of spinning that around is is good. And I think that's what that's talking about there. But I think they're quite they're missing the, the real game changer that will actually kick that. Well, into that, gear. that's funny you should say that, because I, I, I think there's a there's a real disconnect that the whole VR reality thing is there's a real problem in the fact that as human beings, we're not evolved to be able to deal with it very well. I mean, I've had a very limited go on it. And I found it very, very disorientating. We've talked about this before, I think when you've got the connection of your virtual space, but you're constantly thinking about where you are in your real space as well in case you trip over the cat mm. or fall over the back of the sofa or whatever and that that you're having to to, to run it's, it's extremely high brain cpu cycles you're having to use because you're effectively managing yourself in two places at the same time so it's almost like a skill that we're we're going to have to develop to be able to to use VR naturally, because, I mean, even uh, uh, the last time I tried it, I went down, uh, aside from there was that guy who's doing those brilliant Ableton controllers and the graphics for that. I forget the name of it. And um, But previous to that, I'd been to, my daughter was having a, a lesson somewhere, uh, one off, and I went and waited, and the, kid, uh, the, her, the, the teacher's son had a system, and he said, oh, do you want to see what it's like? And I was like, okay, I never tried it. And it was, he was saying that, you know, it might have been a PlayStation or one of the, you know, one of those things with the headset. And it was amazing. But he was saying that you have to, you have to train yourself. You can't go on it for very long periods of time. You have to start very short periods and build up your resistance or your ability to be able to deal with it. You have to train yourself to be able to not come off it and just either freak out or throw up or whatever, because it's so debilitating. I know, Dave, you probably know a bit about this. I mean, I know your daughter works in gaming. Do you get exposed to any of that 3D stuff? Have you, does she come and go, Dad, check this out? I mean, if you, because I'd imagine. You know, if you haven't tried it, it's astonishing what is what is capable, but it's also very weird. Yeah, no, I haven't. Uh, I do remember talking to somebody who was involved in it, but this is going back a few years, so it's probably irrelevant now. And they were saying that actually what they needed at some point was a little, uh, like an air blower across your ears, because actually that's our balance. That's how we keep our balance. The hairs in on your inner oh, ears. Oh, really? So that... And they were finding that, with their early sets uh, that people were just getting nauseous and sick. Uh, so they piped this kind of air that blew across. So when you were in the kind of VR world and moving, it simulated the kind of airflow that you would get in, in the real world, which did make me laugh. I have no idea how significant that is now, whether they've abandoned it or what's happened to it. But I thought that was really fascinating because I do suffer obviously from tinnitus and uh, labyrinthitis. And that's all to do with the hairs in you know, one of your inner ears dying effectively and not growing back. So it's, sometimes it's like being on a ferry in a force nine gale and everyone's looking at you kind of weird and you're going, oh, I think I'm just going to step outside and throw up. Right. At parties, at parties it's usually good because they think you're really drunk. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose that's one plus point. Uh, if if it could be indeed thought that, it's a, but it's an interesting an interesting thought. The whole three D thing. I mean, and I, and I think uh, we saw one of the things we did see at Nam was uh, the Zoom holographic recorder. It's a little pyramidal thing with uh, uh, 
sort of XY capsules on the top, and it's like you know, it's like two hundred quid or something, and it records four channels of encoded three three hundred sixty degree audio, which you can then process after the fact into kind of full spatially aware or um, what's the other thing that binaural or whatever. It's just about how you process that information and how it gets extrapolated. So it's it's coming down in price to the sort of mere user. I mean, you can imagine the time when. You know, you you would you you just record what you're doing, and it would be like you were there, I suppose. And that that could I could see how that would work. Yeah, um, it plays back very well if you got headphones, that kind of stuff. Biggest thing on Twitch at the moment is um, ASMR, <laughs> which is basically it's people sitting there with a binaural microphone of some kind, which could just be two mics like this, making very soft noises into your ears. It's not sexual, but I suppose it's virgin on that. Where where the, you know, they'll be like going. Right inside your head, so you put headphones on with this binaural stuff, and it's meant to be super relaxing. And there are literally in the last month, there's about 300 channels have popped up on Twitch with just people sitting there all, all night making these kind of noises. Oh, there's yeah, it's, I'm just looking on, on I just literally uh, searched for is, ASMR, um, and literally the first thing that's come up are lots autonomous, of uh, yeah, exactly autonomous sensory meridian response. It's basically wow, it does trigger a kind of um. Well, it's an intimate, it's a very intimate thing, isn't it? Yeah. You watch it when you, you feel like a ghost running over you, know, that kind of ooh, kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it's meant to be super relaxing. So if you can't get to I got into it, or rather I found out about it because, again, because of the relaxation app. I was going, what's all this stuff? And there are hundreds of channels making money on Twitch at the moment. I'm sure it will settle down and, and, and dwindle away. Um, but it's the first time I've seen kind of mass market binaural recording devices. <laughs> I'm just thinking, but maybe I should, maybe my next video should be hello and welcome to Sonic yeah, exactly. Today we're talking. It's exactly like that. <laughs> we do, should we do the whole of Sonic Talk in ASMR? So we all have to talk like this really close up. I think we might make more money. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we had a different host and that we were doing that, we might make yeah, more money, or or maybe different, you know, a slightly younger audience. Um, yeah, interesting though. Um, okay, well, uh, uh, that's quite fascinating. I didn't, I didn't really know it was going to take up that direction, but that's kind of cool. Um, okay, there were there were a few more t topics in here that uh, I, I don't know whether I want to bother with the Apple T two chip. I mean, this is the the uh, this the the new chip, which actually. Um, it's a chip on the new Apple motherboard laptops that uh, handle security and uh, disk controllers and camera controllers. It's actually quite a clever idea. It sort of offloads a load of the stuff from the main CPU, including encryption, uh, which means that it's much more secure, but it's messing with Thunderbolt and uh, and audio uh, USB audio devices, and they've got to fix it because it's it's really causing uh, performance issues on certain computers. Might be well looking at, but I, I'm not going to bother with that too much. Um, so I had two more questions, and it was: What was the last thing you bought, acquired that made a real impact in your work? Uh, and I think I might go first. Um, because uh, it was actually this this laptop, and it's only recently started to happen because I've started to use uh, the touch bar a little bit more, which is to most people seems like a real waste of uh, real estate. But actually, there's a thing called a better touch tool, which uh, allows you to program all kinds of stuff and like trigger Apple scripts, command line events, uh, all kinds of things. And I've been using that extensively. And you know, I put a little clock on it and a little, uh, I mean, this sounds pretty obvious, but I mean, it's now I've got a clock, I've got a volume slider directly on the touch bar. I've got uh you know, all sorts of, I can switch folder automation on and off. I can trigger certain events, uh, like, you know, using it at NAM. I was using it for, we had a backup drive. So everything we were working on, I just press one button and it would come up, perform a command line uh, sync from one drive to the other. So it just meant 
less human interaction, one button press, that sort of thing. That's been the biggest thing. And the disappointment, uh, biggest disappointment, I, and I've got that here, actually, I, but this isn't really music technology, so I, I guess I'm, that's why I'm going first. Uh, I bought one of these because I've used Alexa at home. I use, listen to the radio on it a lot, and I thought, oh, I'll get a Google one because we use a lot of Google applications in, uh, in Sonic, and I thought this might have loads of really programmatically interesting things so I could say, hey, Google, turn the lights on, you know, maybe turn it to a MIDI command or whatever. But uh, it sucks. <laughs> it really is totally closed and without getting into major programming although it does sound very good for listening to the radio so i can say hey google i want to play listen to the radio well that was it so those are mine too so uh i'm going to go to you next dave what's the what's the last thing you bought or acquired or discovered that made a real impact on your work <laughs> uh i could say peak because that's been fun uh but actually i'm probably going to say a programmer <laughs> somebody else to do the work yeah a really yeah. really good programmer who's done some exemplary work and yes i'm very very grateful and yes it has had an impact on my work because i've kind of gone into what he's done and gone wow wow yeah great now i can do this so yeah i think that's it uh disappointment uh oh i'll tell you what was slightly disappointing um i bought uh one of those doorbell things that's got a camera on it Ah, oh, uh, yeah. Because I'm fed up of having to run to the front door, basically to pick up clothes for my daughter that has delivered because she's some host in this video gaming world. And I was like, I'm not your bloody secretary. Uh, so I bought one of those things, um, but it was the battery-powered one, and someone nicked it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So doesn't that mean when they put the battery in, you get to see what they're doing? Probably, yes, but I don't think they have. I just think it's probably kids or something. Or, yeah, <laughs> It's probably anyway, a delivery man who got absolutely sick of you not answering the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> or somebody who's been here too many times. Right, get rid of it. It's probably that's funny. It so, yes, yeah. that's it. Really. Uh, that's good. Okay, well, that that's... Uh, and what about you, Dominic? Uh, it's a while ago now. I think the best thing is there's one of these. Ah, uh, yes. Um... Is that battery powered at the moment? Yeah, it's all battery. Nice. It's even got a speaker inside it as well. So, you know, you can literally. Um, and I, only only because I was thinking about getting, you know, outside of the computer and just trying to spark some information, yeah, spark some different kind of workflow. And uh, and I just saw this thing and I thought it's great. And it actually, it's, it's changed my workflow totally, but it also got me into making YouTube vids and um because there wasn't really that much about it at the time, which got me into kind of doing this kind of stuff. So it's really kind of changed, changed me in that way as well, which is really cool. Um, and what, I was trying to think of something really disappointing. And I'm just well, that's the thing. If you do your re you do your really. research properly, then that shouldn't happen, right? <laughs> I bought a really terrible light off of eBay for like a camera light, one of those circular ones. Um, which was awful and just made you look like you, you got like chicken pox or something. Um, <laughs> But that's no, probably not what you want. I don't think there's there's anything really. I mean, there's all, all sorts of weird and wonderful things you can you can get off of eBay for for doing, you know, switching HDMI TVs, which was absolutely rubbish. That kind of stuff. But you kind of expect it because they're only about six quid, and you have to wait to get to get them in from Japan, so or China rather. Um, so no, I don't I don't really think there's anything completely disastrous recently. Um, but the, the deluge is a is a is a big deal. And getting into the modular, actually, I suppose the morphogen as well. 
um, which is the thing that I got my, my modular stuff I tend to use, I think I've said before, as, a, as more of an effects rack. Yeah. Um, but definitely as an instrument, not a sit down and let me play you this patch I've created type of modular. And the morphogene was, which is a, a kind of granular synthesis thing. So you can do it really well now on, on computers, but you can actually sort of twist the knobs and stuff, but you can feed in piano or strings and then just stretch them and repeat. Does it do that in real time from a buffer or does it do it from a file? Yeah. It's all in. It's all in real time from directly off of um, directly off of a card. A little ah, okay. Um, but it, yeah, completely in real time, and so you can get these happy accidents as well. If you push it past the end of its recording buffer, you get some stuff that you've managed to record, you know, two months ago that just gets stuck on the end. That kind of stuff. So, oh, yeah, those, uh, there seemed to be a bit of discussion in the YouTube comments between Bow Beats and uh, Mike Smith, the sub pack, which I remember the sub packs, are, it's like oh, a, yeah. a wearable subwoofer that gives you yeah. that extra, that sort of chest of the doof, you know, and those things are quite interesting. I, I wonder if there'll yeah. be a combination. You can imagine DSP speakers with a sub pack or something similar that gives you the real, the sense of the weight and the air moving together with a really flat linear response uh, yeah. side of thing. That, that, that'd be interesting. They were interesting, weren't they? I, I had a look at those at the, at the time. So and it's, it was designed as a gaming thing, wasn't it? And so basically yeah. it's a subwoofer on your back that kicks you. And because in general, you feel the bottom end just as much as you hear it. Um, and then some of the, the music guys started started wearing them. But yeah, it's nothing that I've uh, that I've got into. But yeah, some kind of wearable audio tech would be awesome. That and like, um, if you can just go. get a little patch point into the, uh, into the back, the back of your head. Boards, just so that you can XLR rather than needing a microphone, that would be a... I'm sure that's coming. I'm sure that's coming. I, I, know, I have to say another good one I got was the uh, this, which is just what looks like a really dumb Ethernet yeah. switch, but it's actually got a little computer inside, so you can get it to do all sorts of really clever stuff, uh, which is something that's uh, – I mean, it's very dull. It's like 40 quid, but it gives – you can create your own networks with DCHP. You can have – you know, so if you're – say, for instance, you want another network on – and you're somewhere else and you're using the internet, you can plug the internet in here, but you can have your own network that's completely separate and it'll all appear as just one IP. None of the MAC addresses get passed to the to the, to the the full network. So, you know, you've got complete privacy, which means you can file share and all that sort of thing, which is actually something that we nice. were using at NAM. Um, <clears throat> and uh, what else is there? Uh, raspberry Pis, always, every day. I just, every time I, I have these sort of phases where I go through a few days and go, oh, what can I do on this today? And it's like, oh, wow, I've done all of this stuff. And so, I've just created all these automated workflows and stuff, which just give me a lot of pleasure. I guess it's like a hobby. It's not very audio, but hey, what, whatever. Well, can I just have a wave a flag for the Teensy then as well, which is somewhere between a Raspberry Pi and an Arduino. And that's so stuff like this. It's a, a MIDI switch that I built because I, what I needed to do was to have something that could start and stop MIDI clock. So if you've got the deluge plugged into a drum machine, plugged into, I don't know, the, the Arturia matrix brute or something as soon as you start the deluge everything else will start and oh, these little with, things yeah and with with uh things like mother 32s the moogs if you feed them a clock they'll instantly fire off their sequencer and you won't be able to play them um so what i needed was a little box that you could literally start the deluge that goes in and then everything else comes out and the midi clock will only start when you push one of the buttons and it just knocks it to the nearest bar so basically if you're just jamming around you can start and stop sequences essentially and those there isn't actually anything that does that i was i was going to actually make them as a product at one stage but um with a teensy with this little arduino size teensy like 20 um, bucks and 20 bucks switches and a couple of resistors and a very very short little program that you can write for it it does it 
So a lot, I think a lot of the modular stuff and a lot of the um, boutique. All uh, oh, right, it's got that stuff in it. Out, has a teensy thing. So it's it's basically an Arduino, but the teensy bit of it has a USB and a built-in. It, as soon as you plug it in, it becomes a MIDI uh, device. So you don't have to worry about anything. So if you plug it into a computer, it will appear as a MIDI device, and then you can then accept any MIDI in and squirt it to any one of about eight outputs. So it's just one step closer to being more audio-related. Like you were saying, it's not that audio-related, but this is absolutely close. perfect That's for a- controllers and stuff. Yeah, oh, that sounds great. Excellent. Well, I'm, I think we're probably heading towards a, a natural uh, cessation of the podcast business. Uh, I don't know how this has gone down. This is actually, I'm, I'm already really used to the sound of this. It sounds much more natural in my head anyway, because I've only got buds, but the combination of my voice uh, 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 mechanically and what I'm hearing back sounds good. So, so far, so good on the, uh, what is it? The, the Rode Pod mic. So yeah, might get used. Anyway, I said I'd use it on the podcast when they said they'd send me one, so I thought I will, and I like the size of it. It feels a little less monstrous. Anyway, um, the last thing we should mention before we go, uh, don't forget, if you want to enter the competition to win Isotopes RX-7, then we're looking for uh, the hashtag MixAssistant and the hashtag RX-7 to at SonicState and at Isotoping on Twitter. That's the hashtag MixAssistant and the hashtag RX-7 to at SonicState and at Isotoping. So that's it. Dave, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and uh, we'll, you're getting dark again. I don't know what it is. Is it? Oh, it's probably getting darker and therefore your, your contrast is dropping. Or is that just your mood darkening because you've had enough of yeah, us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Hang on, we'll change the gain. We're it's almost the, at full gain on this. Really? That's bizarre, isn't it? You need a yeah. light in there. Or maybe you don't. Uh, um, well, anyway, got- Dave, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure oh, as you. ever. And hopefully uh, we'll see you again soon. Uh, and also, Mr. Dominic Hawken, thank you for joining us too. Uh, we'll look forward to, and uh, so people can get in touch if they want to beta test your app. At yeah, that would be great. And sorry for blathering on for most of the time about various uh, various bits and pieces. But yeah, the, the Twitter thing's down there. So um, if you want to get in touch, uh, if you don't sleep well, get in touch. I know if you have kids that don't, or if you generally just want to test something out, that'd be really helpful. Thank you. Okay, that's it. Well, uh, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. We'll uh, wave off with a three-shot, and uh, we'll see you all next time. See you later.